Welcome to Hardware Addicts, a proud member of the Destination Linux Network. Hardware Addicts is the podcast that focuses on the physical components that power our technology world. In this episode, we're going to be talking about portable monitors. They're making a huge comeback. Lots of vendors are starting to make them again, and I think we might all need one. Then we're going to head to Camera Corner, where Wendy will discuss the Insta360 ONE RS Action Camera. And... I think Michael and I are going to have some commentary to add about all the adventures we plan to go on with this action camera. So sit back, relax, and plug in, because Hardware Addict starts now. I'm Ryan, your tech guide through the universe, and with me today is... Well, technically just Michael, because Wendy is having internet and ISP issues. And so, Michael, you both have to be the photographer extraordinaire, the hardware enthusiast, the software sage, and the hardware Padawan all by yourself. Challenge accepted. Well, actually, what we're going to do, because Michael couldn't fill those shoes, it'd be (gasps) impossible. Fair. That's fair. Wendy is going to send in her segment, but you won't be hearing the discourse because Wendy's been having some ISP internet issues. So she's just going to pre-record it and send it. So you hear those segments in. And Michael, of course, and I during the camera corner section are going to add some of our commentary. And the best part is, Michael, Wendy won't be able to hear it till later where she'll (laughs) laugh at some of the goofiness that we have planned there. We're going to make her facepalm for sure. Absolutely. 100%. And lots of dad jokes coming your way, I'm sure. But let's find out what tech adventures everyone has had this week. Michael, what kind of tech did you get? So I am one looking for some tech that I'm kind of shopping around for some storage, some SSDs and that sort of thing. I haven't decided what I want. I am, I've talked to Ryan about it a little bit, but I'm going to annoy him a lot for everyone listening. He, you know, just so you know, Ryan, it's just expect it for at least the next few days. Sure. Uh, but I also got something, some new tech that I am excited because I, it allows me to fix an issue I was having with my microphone. It's called the Triton Audio Fethead, F-E-T-H-E-A-D. And why I spelled it because it was a very interesting name of a product. When I first heard it, I thought they were joking, and I thought I heard them say fathead. But no, it's fethead, and it's a mic booster to be able to uh, lower the gain on a mixer for a microphone but still get the audio in a large volume because it allows it to boost the signal up with about 25 to 27 decibels from a lower level, which just makes it cleaner audio for the recording and makes it easier to process and you can avoid hums and other artifacts and that sort of stuff. So it takes all the work out of the mixer having to do the gain there and puts it all into this little device that serves a single purpose. It plugs into the XLR port of your mixer and then you plug your mic into that. And that's going to give you your boost and some more cleaner sound and gain exactly. to your microphone overall. Nice. It's so I can make sure that the audio quality for this show is as, as, as crisp as it can be. Very good. And pre-recorded, but still we're going to play it right here, is going to be Wendy sharing with us her tech adventure. And it looks like she's going into the 3D printer realm here. And I did respond to her on the Destination Linux dis- discourse forum about which 3D printer I suggest. It'll be interesting to see what Wendy has for us in the 3D printer world. I'm currently on the lookout for a 3D printer. Yeah, I haven't had enough with Tech Adventures and the robot, which has been a ton of fun. If you'd like to hear a bunch more about that, check out Linux Out Loud. It's one of the things that I just can't stop talking about. I absolutely love our little robot. And I think the 3D printer would be an addition, a great addition to our overall 
household fun toys, being able to do more things with our robot and the things are 3D printing, at least, you know, that's one of my excuses for going ahead and getting one. The one I'm currently looking at is the Ender 5 Pro 3D printer has the silent board already pre-installed. And one of the things that I like about this 3D printer is the nozzle, the print nozzle moves in the XY axis and then the base, the platform will move in that up and down Z axis. In doing my research, it seemed like the 3D printers that are moving in the Z and the X or the Y axis leaves a little more instability when you're printing things. I don't know exactly how true that is, but it was one of the things that I've been paying attention to when doing research for my printer. I did drop a thread on the discourse forum because I wanna know what the rest of you are using. I'm new to 3D printers. I know Nate is also using an Ender, but he's using an Ender 3. And you, Ryan, thankfully shared what you've been using, which is the longer LK4. I love that you went ahead and added your pros and cons for me. And one of the things that you pointed out was that it was super easy to build and that 3D printers can get incredibly complicated. They come typically shipped in parts and you got to put all those parts together. And that is one of the things that I definitely need to be paying attention to as I'm doing my different shopping for the 3D printers. I'd really like to get it done here in the next week or so. Having somewhat of a decent print size is kind of important. I don't know what all we'll be printing, but I would like to have some room, some flexibility when it comes to the size of the objects that I can print. The downside of having a larger print area is that the 3D printer in general is going to be quite large, and I'm not entirely sure where that is going to go. I'm completely and totally out of desk space. Yeah, I have my really nice desk here, my sit-stand desk. It's L-shaped. The front portion of it's pretty much taken up with gear and the like. Then I actually need working space on this desk. And right now we've got all kinds of papers from school-related tech stuff that still needs to be done sitting here on the desk. And I don't want to have a desk so full of things that I can't actually get any work done on it. That was part of the problem with my last desk, in addition to the fact that it didn't move up and down. So I felt like I was sitting for absolutely ever. But the space itself was just so overcrowded that I couldn't use it for writing. There was limited functionality. It just held the computer tech requirements and that was about all it could do. And having space to put other laptops up here, to work on different things, to taking stuff apart, I still want to have that space. So the 3D printer can't actually make it to my desk itself and I don't know where else to put it. This isn't a super large house. We have six people living in it, but I will find a way to make a 3D printer work. Once again, thanks so much for your feedback, Ryan, and I look forward to hearing from the rest of the community. What 3D printers do you use? Have you used other 3D printers in the past? Why aren't you using them anymore? And build quality does seem to be an important thing. I want this to be a piece of hardware that lasts for a fairly long time. It's a purchase that I don't want to be repeating every year, every other year. And so making sure that it's parts and pieces that'll last us is important. 
Oh, that was so interesting. I, that's uh, I can't believe that's the one she chose, Ryan. <laughs> we don't know what it is yet. We haven't heard it, Michael. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right, 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 yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ryan, what have you been looking at this past uh, couple weeks with the hardware that I actually sent you? So You sent me yeah. hardware. I did. Well, sort of. So, technically, that's not true. The Manjaro team and Mini's Forum sent us a UM700 Mini PC. Now, we That's were supposed true. to do a review on this device together, so we sent it to your place first, but that meeting never happened, and so you kind of did your own thing with it, and then you sent it to me really broken, and then it I was had to not fix broken. it all, and no. now it's an amazing machine again. That's pretty much the truth to it all. I did not break it. There was some weird default settings that were some issues with my experience, <laughs> and I didn't bother to fix them because I thought, let's just let Ryan fix them because, one, he knows what he's doing, and, two, I don't. Therefore, it seemed like a very good method to figure out what was going on is to have someone who knows what they're doing fix it. Well, I've been playing with this little mini computer, and I actually really am digging it so far. So it's got a Ryzen 7 3750H, a Radeon RX Vega 10 graphics. It's got a pop-top click-to-open and upgrade lid. So this means that unlike most of the devices you get today, where they're soldering on the covers, using special screws, hiding the screws in places you can't get to, doing all these things to make sure you can't get into it, this device has a clickable pop-top, meaning... It's a little mini computer, and on the top, if I push in on the two sides, the top pops up and reveals inside the NVMe drive, the SSD uh, port there, and it comes with a cable so you can upgrade to an SSD, which, of course, naturally I did within the first, like, couple minutes, because why not? And <laughs> in addition, you can get to the RAM and other things to work on or upgrade this device, which is very cool. So fully upgradable, fully repairable. It supports up to three monitors, 4K at 60 hertz. It's got a lot of ports in here, an HDMI 2.0 port, display ports, 2.5 gigabyte per second Ethernet, USB ports, 3.2 Gen 2 ports. I mean, it's got ports all over the place, even, even an audio jack. Imagine that, an audio jack on wow, a computer. an audio jack. That's crazy. That's like, I know, that's such courage. This machine comes with Manjaro installed by default. Now, there were some issues when it got sent to Michael, in all fairness, it seems like there was a quality control issue with the BIOS settings because Michael swears he didn't change any of the BIOS settings, but they were kind of all over the place wrong. So do we believe Michael? Okay, believe no, I did change one BIOS settings, but I only changed, I changed it back when it, when I realized it wasn't going to work because I, I tried to turn on secure boot, which was off. And then it said, Hey, you need to provide keys. I didn't know how to do that. So I just turned it back to where it was. And then that was it. And then I sent it to Ryan, but I did try. I did try to do other things, and it was it did boot, and I was able to run it uh, with Manjaro's default stuff. But there were things that it couldn't do that I ran into. That's why I went into the BIOS in the first place to see if there was something I could figure out. And then I thought, no, Ryan should just figure it out. But I didn't do well, the stuff that you kind of ran into with those issues, the quality control things you're talking about. Those were just there. I I don't know like why they were set up that way, but I did not do those for sure. And it's Step possible because we got a review unit early on that they hadn't gone through all of the settings or the same quality control that you would expect from Mini's forum typically. Mm. So I am going to give them a pass on that and just say 
So far, I've set up Plex server on this. I've set up file server on it. I've done some light gaming with this. And of course, it is a Radeon RX Vega 10 graphics. So you can do some gaming, but you're not going to do like AAA graphics and stuff very well on this. You'd have to go to medium or even low settings for that. But it is capable of doing some gaming uh, quite well. And I'm even using a 2K monitor with it. And you can do a bunch of other applications. It comes with a vase mount, so you can mount it on the back of a monitor. It's that small and actually has the mounting bracket inside the box. It comes with the cable that allows you to attach an additional 2.5 inch drive inside. So you can have multiple drives in this. Just a really fun machine that you can play with. So far, it's been working fantastic. One of the settings in the BIOS, by the way, that was off was the power setting. So it was set to a very low power. Uh, setting, which means that Michael was having issues doing any gaming with it at all because it couldn't run Proton or anything else. And that's because it was way undervolted. So it was able to go in there and kind of change that. And everything's been working good, including Proton, which I proved to Michael actually works on the device once that setting's changed. <laughs> so everything's been going pretty good with this. I'm having a lot of fun. I don't know what its permanent application is going to be, but we will be doing a review on my DOS Geek channel with this little device. Nice. I'm glad to, to hear that the stuff that were that I experienced were just kind of temporary fixed things that need to be fixed. So uh, I'm glad to hear that it actually is being, you know, is a good product because for me, it felt like it had all the things that I wanted. I, and I was super happy to see DisplayPort as an option, uh, USB Type-C as well. Like there was uh, a lot of cool stuff about this device and the only thing I had, it, like because of the bio settings, I had some issues and I'm glad that those were just like temporary things. Yeah. And what's really cool is you can get a really good deal on this right now. The Desmini UM700 with Manjaro as its operating system, the eight gigabyte 256 version is 469 on sale right now. And if you want the fully Mac Daddy 16 gigabytes and 512 gigabyte SSD, it's just $539 as opposed to 669 when it launched. So this is a really good deal for a mini PC if you're thinking about something like a media server, Plex server, even doing some light gaming and things, Minecraft server with your kids. This is a cool little device you might want to check out. Another thing that you should want to check out is DigitalOcean. This episode of Hardware Addicts is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Cloud computing can be, let's say, complex, but standing up reliable, affordable cloud infrastructure really doesn't have to be. At DigitalOcean, you can enjoy a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so you and your teams can get back to doing what matters most, building world-changing apps that grow your business. DigitalOcean also provides you with predictable pricing, robust product docs, services that just developers love. That is DigitalOcean. The DigitalOcean team also helps you regardless of the size of your company. Whether you're a team of one person or a team of a thousand people, DigitalOcean helps you and your team grow with their simple, powerful cloud computing services. And as a listener of the Hard Radix podcast and a member of the daily community, you can get started for free. In fact, it's even better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 free credit when you go to do.co slash tux2022. That's do.co slash tux2022. And there's just so much great stuff. It's hard to list everything, but I love those tutorials that are there. You can find so much great information about how to do things on the cloud when you go to do.co slash tux2022 and sign up for this awesome cloud platform that is DigitalOcean. And I want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Hardware Addicts. So when I was a kid, I remember my dad lugging around this giant, and I mean giant. It was as big as me as like an eight or nine-year-old kid plastic suitcase that had these wheels on the bottom 
And he would lug this thing around to do presentations, show off his PC work that he was doing because he engineered a whole line of computers and things, not only cash registers for restaurants, but also for enterprise and businesses that he wrote software for and built. So they had these giant thick inside the case CRT panel monitors. Now, a lot of us older folk, we remember the CRT monitors. They were heavy. Good thing is you could throw your controller and things at them and do literally no damage to the monitor at all, unlike the panels <laughs> today. They were kind of like the Nokia phones of monitors. They were huge glass front. They weighed a ton. You didn't want to move them around too much. And that was how you got a monitor around when you needed one for a presentation or something back then. Yeah. And if you ever want to do a LAN party, oh, wow. That's a pain. Your monitor was one of the worst things to bring around, unless you were like me and had the super high tower computer as well. So it was like your entire backseat of your car would be filled with the computers to go to a LAN party. So you hoped you could borrow a friend's or something like that there. (laughs) But of course, that trend phased out when laptops were growing in popularity. The price came down considerably and the technology allowed the components to be shrunken down to still keep the power because... Even though they had some laptops then, the price was either too excessive and or they didn't have the power in order to run the same software that you needed to maybe present to somebody or to show off in that case. But of course, that changed. Laptops are amazing now. A lot of them are equally as fast as many desktops out there and sometimes can even surpass them depending on the desktop computer. However, like all fashion trends, everything old comes back and is new again and with a few added enhancements and touches. So today, we're going to be talking about portable monitors. Not laptops, just thin, portable, lightweight monitors that nearly every monitor manufacturer now and component manufacturer is starting to build or at least has one of them in their lineup because they're back in style like bell bottoms and mullet haircuts. What? Okay, Portable monitors might be back in style, but bell bottoms and mullet haircuts. I think I think you're still in the wrong era for that part. No, those they're back, man. <laughs> mullet haircuts are a big thing. I'm not even kidding about them. Now the bell what? bottoms, I'm joking. Mullet haircuts are making a comeback. Oh my goodness! I you I need to get one. No, pass, pass. Really? Are you sure you don't want to well, be in style? D- I mean, during the, the 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 world of 2020, I did actually have kind of a mullet, and I got some I got some videos of me back then. That's sad and. It, it it's it's not like I chose it. It's just because I couldn't get a haircut. So it sort of became one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> so the first question uh, is with portable monitors, not mullet haircuts, what would you use <laughs> one? <laughs> what would you use one of these for? Because some people were probably thinking to themselves, I don't need a portable monitor. Well, you could use them for business travel, number one, because having a secondary screen, Michael, you know this, I know this, we all, anybody who does any type of production work on their computers knows a secondary screen is absolutely mandatory. You need to be able to of move course, yeah. things you, you need up, but not necessarily in your face over to a secondary screen uh, and have basically, you can use virtual desktops and things like that to try to help, but there's nothing that quite replaces having a secondary monitor. So if you're business traveling and you know, when you put things in presentation mode and it likes to take over two screens or it does yeah. some weird thing, if you only have one screen, there's all kinds of problems when you're traveling for business and stuff that you run into when you're doing presentations and things like that, that a secondary screen could help you overcome. 
Yeah, absolutely. I run into this myself with multiple occasions where I wanted to do something like whether I'm doing some audio editing or some graphic design and then wanting to have something else on the like a reference point or something that allows me to just look back and forth that the virtual desktop thing is cool and it, I, I use them all the time, but they're not as effective for that kind of thing as a secondary monitor. So that totally makes sense to me. Not only that, but you've got the console world as well. So a lot of people want to take their consoles on the road with them. And the Nintendo Switch attempts to, of course, and the Steam Deck attempt to be that product that you take with you on a trip. But some people want their Xbox. They want their PlayStation to go with them. But one of the biggest issues you're going to run into is there's no screen with it. So if you have one of these portable <laughs> monitors, you could simply plug it in pull it out of your laptop bag because they're that thin, they're that light. And even I've seen this happen at an airport before. I've seen it in restaurants where people will pull out a portable monitor. They have their game console there. They'll plug in and they'll be sitting on the floor of an airport or something because their flight's delayed and playing their games right there in the middle of an airport or at a restaurant because they have mm -hmm. that portable screen they can bring with them anywhere. So that's a cool use case for people who travel a lot. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I wasn't going to, I thought this would be kind of like a, you know, throwaway joke version, but I mean that if you're going to be stuck in an airport doing nothing, at least you could game. At least you could get some game in and then truckers and things. I could imagine them being on the road a lot when they stop and have to take their mandatory breaks and things. It'd be nice to be able to pull out a secondary screen there, whether you're gaming or doing some computing. Uh, so anytime you're on the road or doing anything mobile, including your mobile device. Let's say you have your presentations and stuff you're carrying with you on your phone, or you want to use your phone as your computer so you don't have to lug around another laptop. That could work for some cases, but at a certain point, you're probably going to need a bigger screen. You could pull out this nice portable monitor and you could connect it to your mobile device. And now you've got a secondary screen. So it works much better as a computer at that point, your cellular phone, than if you didn't have that extra screen there. I think we've built the case to say portable monitors could be an important part of your technology acquisitions. Do you want one yet, Michael? Okay. No, but what? I do think, okay, just hear me out. I do think that there's a, there's a definitely a factor of value for it, but I, you're talking about these mobile versions, these uh, traveling and these, these are things I don't really do. So I don't have much of a need for it. However, I have had some kind of interest in having these monitors that I could take with me to, for example, I like to travel around, not really travel, but work in different locations. So let's say a lot of people are known for doing this where they go into work at a coffee shop or something like that. And you could, if you had a portable monitor that was a reasonable size, you could actually do a more ergonomic approach to that because I've tried it with just my laptop and looking down will give me like a neck cramp after a certain amount of time. So if I could have a portable monitor that was up a little bit higher and like have a stand or something, that would be fantastic for that use case. So maybe, I'm not convinced just yet, but maybe. Well, you are going to be going to scale this year, which is going to require you to potentially be doing some filming. You're going to definitely be traveling and maybe doing some show notes and some show ideas. So that would be a good use case for a secondary monitor for you. And when you come here and you have to edit Destination Linux or another show having a secondary, of course, I have lots of monitors around. So you could just <laughs> plug into one of those. But why when you have a portable monitor that you could hang out with? And use it while I'm making you watch a really bad movie at my house. You see, you could be oh, downstairs wow. and have a secondary monitor there. 
I could enjoy a thing I never would watch otherwise while yes. also having a, okay, see, that see? now you've convinced now me sold you. for sure. <laughs> so what is the perfect size for a portable monitor? Generally, you're seeing them go from 12-inch, 14-inch, and 17-inch. There are some variations that are bigger and smaller than this, but in general, those are the ones that you see most often coming out from the various companies here. For me, 14-inch would probably be perfect. I could see 17-inch, but that might get start getting a little unwieldy to carry around. It just depends on what my use case for a portable monitor would be there. Yeah, I would say that the 14 is probably the sweet spot of large but not too large. But also the 17, in my particular example of doing like a cafe-style working and just having a portable work setup, I would want a, a larger screen than my laptop has. And yeah. that would be the 17 would fit that pretty well. Or if you're doing portable gaming and things, I think 17 would be perfect for that. So there are a couple of monitors I want to talk about and companies that have come out, at least for people to check out. But before we do that, I want to talk about what to look for. So there's, number one, lots of off-brand options that are out there. So when I say off-brand options, that's not necessarily a bad thing. However, we know that we talked about last week that a lot of these reviews are being bought and paid for in different sites and things. So it's hard to trust that those reviews are good. And if you have any problems with these panels, where are you going to send them to? Are you going to actually have a warranty? Those type of things. So number one is I would make sure if you are going to pick up an off-brand option to get it from a place that has a strong and good return policy because you may need it and you can't just trust their five-star reviews you might see on Amazon or something like that. In addition, there are many lesser known brands that offer things that are actually much higher end than the name brand. So Dell, Lenovo, and all of them make these portable monitors, but there's some off-brand companies making portable monitors that have features like OLED and 4K and 10-bit. However, again, you've got this issue of you're getting much better specs on paper, but is this something trustworthy that you would be able to return if there's an issue with it? But just know those are options out there. And if any of you, of course, have used a portable monitor for one of these brands and love it, make sure to let us know. But those are options that generally you're not going to see on some of the name brand options just yet. They're usually a little lower on the spec and sheet. And that's mainly because they're really meant for a secondary monitor that you're using on the road and things and not meant to be kind of your primary monitor replacement. So some of the rules that we talked about with picking a monitor don't necessarily apply for the secondary monitor unless you're going to be using it kind of as your permanent secondary monitor, which I guess you could do too. The other thing to look for with these monitors is connectivity. Does it have the right connection types for your device? Most of these monitors you're going to see are USB-C. Some have HDMI. Additionally, some have ports on both sides, some have ports on only one side, so you might be routing cables around if you want it on the left versus the right, and that can be annoying. So you want to make sure that you're planning correctly and how you're going to connect it. If you're going to use it with your phone, console, laptop, make sure your laptop has the appropriate ports and things so that you're not also having to find dongles and stuff to try to connect this and have issues there. And I would pay a special attention to NITs. Portable monitors should have enough brightness so you could use them in a window of a coffee shop or where the sun may tend to blur things out. So if you look for things like anti-glare and a high brightness, as far as nits go, that would be something I think would be very interesting for this. And then deciding whether touchscreen is an important feature for you as it can add to the cost. But I could see that being something advantageous to you, even though you have that built into your laptop, Michael, having a secondary touchscreen that you could use with your Wacom pen and things. 
uh, might be something you would want to look for in a secondary monitor. When I first started seeing this touch screens coming out into laptops, I always thought, you know what, why would I want to stick my arm out really far and hit the thing when I could just use the mouse? And with a laptop, it makes more sense, I guess, because it's closer. What I learned by using is that the uh, touch screens are awesome. And I really like the, that I have one because if I don't know where my mouse is, because sometimes that happens, you just lose track of where you left it. And then I wanted to close something or just quickly you know, activate something. I could just tap the screen and do it without even having to worry about where the mouse is. That is a very great, efficient feature to have. So I do see the value of touchscreens. And if I was to get a portable monitor, I'd probably want a touchscreen anyway, just because. And also, if I was going to do like presentations and go to like, a business meeting and I wanted to convince a client to hire me then for like design work and whatnot, it'd be really cool if I could have a monitor that I could just turn to them and have them, you know, press press the interactions with whatever I have presented to them. That's a something I just thought of as during this episode. And I now want a portable monitor, I think. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so while you're looking for your new portable monitor, because you definitely need one now, you also have to make sure you find one with a good stand. This is the top complaint when I was looking through all the reviews of the monitors that That people had was that the stands weren't stable on all surfaces. So if you're thinking about a portable monitor and what advantages it has, you need a stand that allows you to place it on potentially uneven surfaces, small surfaces, large surfaces, the ability to turn it around able to angle it in different ways to get in or out of the sun, depending on where you're sitting, how you're sitting, and how you're going to be utilizing this thing. So you really want to pay special attention to the stand that it has and make sure that it has a nice protection cover for it so that when you're sliding it in and out of your laptop bag, you're not damaging this. I mean, at the end of the day, it's basically your panel without a desktop stand on it, so it can easily be damaged if pens or things were to poke into the screen and that type of stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I've, in this case, I would have like a laptop bag that has a special compartment for just the monitor. And uh, when you were talking about the the knits, uh, I'm curious, what would be like a range of knit that people should be looking for with this portable monitor stuff? What's surprising to me, and we'll go through a couple of these options, is how low the knits actually are for most of these monitors out there. And they're well below what I would have expected you would need for a portable monitor. So in my range, based on what's out there, I would say you want to make sure you're looking at 300 nit plus. You're going to see that some are 250 or less with the nits, but also I'd be looking for more features like anti-glare and hard coatings and things on them to make sure you can make up for the fact that these aren't ultra super bright. And a lot of that is because they're on some of these are battery powered, some are not. And the power consumption, if they're not, that they're taking from your laptop directly. So again, if you're not plugging this directly into a wall or something, it probably doesn't have the capability to go super, super bright for you. And so that's one of the caveats here is you have to really be careful with the knit brightness on these. They're not like your standard monitors that you would have for your desktop. That's something I think as these continue to gain in popularity, you'll probably see improve with some of the brands. Okay, that's really good information to know. And also, when you were talking about the the stands for these monitors, I did look at one of the ones that you showed me earlier, and it was the lamest stand ever. So, like the built-in stands that come with them, sometimes like they look like they're just there for like, hey, we have a stand. 
but it, I would never use that stand. So I would want to have something that gives me a lot more adjustability, especially if it's a touchscreen one and I want to be able to like use it in a different configuration. Um, but also I might have one of those stands. I've been looking at some various different stands for like tablets and things. So I might have a suggestion for people who want something like this, but I don't remember what it was called. So I will have a link for the show notes. Uh, but this, the stand part, I'm curious, is there any kind of mountable stuff that people are doing? Like, is there a way to do like maybe a quick release mount where you could have a stand that you could swap it in and out really quickly, but also have more of an, like a strong attachment because the stand could be tipped over or whatever. And I'd want it to not be able to like sling off the table or something. There's a lot of different takes on the stand. I've not seen one with quick releases and those things, although I'm sure they do exist, maybe secondary third party companies creating them for the specific portable monitors. Most of them either have a small base that has the ports and things inside of it that goes behind the monitor and has some adjustability to it. But that base looks like it sticks out maybe two to three inches on the back and is maybe half an inch thick. And again, that's where USB-C and some of the other ports also exist. I've seen that style a lot. I've also seen the style that looks much like a Microsoft Surface tablet or uh, other tablets where they have a flap that kind of goes out of the back, like a metal flap that pulls out of the back of the monitor and sits in like a TP style stand for them. So I've seen those two. And I know that TP stand style is very effective or the A style frame is very effective for utilizing on surface and other types of devices. It's quite frequently used for even drawing tablets and things. So if you're somebody who's looking for drawing, that's the type of stand that I would probably go for. Because if they do it right, you usually have multiple positions and you can lock those positions in so that your weight of your hand and things wouldn't knock it completely flat. Very cool. I, I, will, I will definitely look into those, especially for like the artist stuff. So looking at some of the options that are out there, there's a brand new one on the market called the ViewSonic VX1755. You can pick this up for $299. So these aren't particularly that expensive if you're just looking for a regular secondary monitor with some minimal features. Now this is a 17.2 inch IPS panel it has AMD FreeSync support up to 144 hertz refresh rate. So this is kind of gearing into those people who may want to do some gaming on it, maybe with the console or with their laptop. It's only 250 nits though, so not very bright at all, but it does have anti-glare hard coding on it which might help make up for that lack of brightness. You have an 800 to one contrast ratio. It weighs in about 2.2 pounds with the built-in stand and touchscreen, but only in mirror mode does the touchscreen work. So that's something to keep in mind with that. But at 299, that's a pretty good deal for a 17.2 inch portable monitor. Then we have the Zeus ROG Strix XG17AHPE 240 hertz portable monitor. That just rolls right off the tongue. No, yeah, right they definitely the named it right. Yeah. ROG Strix XG17AHPE. Who could forget that? You can't. It's impossible. <laughs> now, this, I think, is more of the Mac Daddy of them. You got the 240 hertz, which frankly is overkill, I think, with a portable monitor in this case. But I guess Probably. if you're a pro gamer going if on the road... Yeah, if you're a programmer, you would not be doing this. A programmer would probably care a little bit more about like it may be a full setup. This, no, no okay. I didn't say pro grammar. I said pro gamer. Pro that's, gamer. That, yeah. that, if I didn't say pro gamer, that's just programmer. because 
That's funny. I probably did. I probably <laughs> programmer did. does not need 240 hertz. You're right, Michael. That's also true. But I think a pro gamer wouldn't want to do it either, just because they, they'd have they'd want a full like legitimate setup than like a portable thing. You know, maybe yeah. who knows? Who knows? Well, but hey, when you're practicing at the airport and things before a big tournament, maybe That's you need fair. that 240 hertz. You know, fair enough. <laughs> so this is a 17.3 inch IPS 1920 by 1080. This one has the built-in battery, so not all of them have a built-in battery. They'll either get their battery from the laptop or otherwise but this one has a built-in 7,800 milliamp battery, and I would say you at least want a 5,000 milliamp battery if you're looking for one with a battery in it. USB-C and micro HDMI ports. It's 300 nits, contrast ratio of 1,001, micro HDMI port. It has USB-C times two port, earphone jacks. It's got all the things in there, but it's going to run you about $440. That's a pretty nice package for $440. The amount of stuff you get for the price, I mean, it does look like a pretty good thing, even if it is kind of ridiculous in its amount of refresh rate hurts stuff. uh, It still looks like a pretty good deal. I mean, the price is a little hefty for me, but it does look like at least you're getting something worthy of the money. Yep, I agree. Next, we have a Lenovo ThinkVision M14. You can pick these up renewed for $239. I know a lot of people in our community like Lenovo and their products, so that's why I put this one on here. It's 14-inch. It's a little bit smaller, 1920 by 1080. You get the 300 nit at 6 millisecond response time. You get lots of USB ports, and it has the ports both on the right and left side, so you don't have to worry about routing Mm. cables around if you want your monitor on the left or right. It has a negative 5 to 90 degree tilt angle and adjustable foot lets you change the height to your liking as well this is a pretty Mm. cool one widescreen backlit led lcd lenovo think vision m14 and the price is really right there at 239 renewed why not i mean the yeah it sounds cool i also like the fact that there's this stand is a lot more flexible than most of the ones i was looking at for prep of the show but like this i didn't i didn't have a chance to look at this one but this one sounds like it has you know everything that i'd want from it anyway and the last one I'll say is the Dell 14 portable monitor. This is a C1422H at $299. You get comfort lighting, which reduces the blue light emissions. 1920 by 1080 at 60 Hz. 2.2 pounds, 300 nit. Contrast ratio is 700 to 1, so a little bit lower on that. Two times USB Type-C alt mode with DisplayPort 1.2, DisplayPort HDCP 1.4, and anti-glare coating on the screen there. So if you're a big Dell fan, you might want to check that one out. But for me, the two that really have my attention the most is, of course, the Zeus ROG because it's got a little bit of everything in the battery in it, though I would use none of those features. So 440 kind of puts that one out. But the <laughs> Lenovo Think Vision is the one I think I would pick up out of all of these options. It just has all the features I think are the coolest. Yeah, that sounds like a good one. I, I wish it was a 17-inch, honestly, but I think the 14 is a good size uh, because it's overall it's it's big enough to be useful and also not overbearing. Uh, but I, I, I'd have to kind of try it out to see what I'd want. But I think a 14-inch would probably be fine. But, you know, go big or go home. That's what they say, right? Yeah, what... absolutely. <laughs> the next thing to keep in mind is you could also use your tablet instead of buying one of these. If mm. you're using Apple products, that becomes really easy with your iPad because this is built-in functionality that Apple has done. Their integration is always some of the best out there. And Apple has a app built in to allow you to instantly make your iPad a secondary screen to your Apple laptop or anything else. So if you have a nice big iPad Pro or those things, you've got a beautiful retina screen. 
that you can use and plus the powerful battery of the M1 and the iPads together. It's just, it's a really good combo and a cool feature that they built in. If you have an Android tablet, you can do similar things, but you need a third party app to do it. A lot of people complaining about the advertising on the third party apps and stuff gets so annoying that it's really not as well thought out. Sometimes you could do it through Wi-Fi and other things to kind of sort of turn it into a secondary screen. I would like to know from people out there in the community if you've tried to do this with an Android tablet. It can be done. It's just not as seamlessly integrated as the Apple community has done it with theirs. So that's another option if you wanted one of these portable screens to, if you're carrying a tablet with you anyways, why not use it as your secondary monitor? But I see this as a very advantageous use case for a tablet that doesn't get touted too often. And I think Android should really step up their game to make the integration as seamless as Apple has made it with the iPads. I mean, that would be really cool. Although that would be much smaller for a tablet. Like you wouldn't have as much uh, much screen real estate as a portable monitor would like if you went to p- purchase one. Like we were talking about like 12 inch or 14 inch and 17 inch. I wouldn't really, I would say that most of the tablets you're going to f- find are around the 10 inch size. If that, maybe even smaller. So might be that might be a really cool thing if you already have one. But if you are looking for like a full blown multi-monitor setup that's on a portable sense and maybe even still getting one of those specifically made for that would be better yeah i think the ipad's biggest is 12.9 inch somewhere around there so you're about 13 inch and then and of course that's if you bought that specific one if you have an ipad mini well you're gonna have a really tiny screen there and uh, android i think makes some bigger tablets as well but again that would be a specific use case for them that you would have to have bought that specifically the large one for but it's still an option out there. If you're still interested yeah. in a secondary monitor, but don't want to buy a secondary monitor necessarily, you could check that out. Yeah, it's definitely a very cool idea. And I think that, I mean, I have a tablet that I would like to play around with that concept too. If I, and of course, I don't want to have ads. So I'd have to find an app that doesn't do that. Even if it requires me to pay for it, that's fine. I just don't want to have ads popping up while I'm working on stuff, right? You're so lame. You don't want ads. Ads are the future. <laughs> ads are everything. The whole world are, should be one big ad. <laughs> ads are everywhere Google. for sure. But according to Google, uh, yes, that does seem to be the way the world is moving. But for the most part, I would rather pay to not have to see ads, which I do a lot of the time. And I'm okay with that transaction. Like, hey, let me not see ads as long as I can pay to get rid of them. That's fine. And I think yeah. that's fair as, a, as a, an aspect for the companies too. But I did want to say that the portable monitors is something that I know people who are in the uh, van life, the RV life, are often interested in because they can use them as multi-monitor setups, but they also can do it with a way more flexible approach. So we already talked, kind of talked about the mobile aspects of people being able to do it, but they, the van life and RV life are actually getting way more popular with like sure. tiny homes and all that stuff. So I think that this is something that they should be looking into as well. And also, I kind of recently found out that if you get a van that's like completely decked out and it's like one of the big vans, that they're called Vansions. And I just kind of love that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I have seen the videos on YouTube and things of people showing how amazing they can really make a van or RV as luxurious as you could possibly imagine. It's quite amazing, actually, what people are able to do with that. And I could definitely see, I think it's a brilliant point that a portable monitor, secondary monitor things would be something where you could put it away while you're driving. But when you're finally at your stop that you're taking a break at, you could pull out your secondary monitor and get to work. I like it. 
This episode of Hardware Addicts is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager, as well as additional authentication, such as master password and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your password safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. Or you could check out their premium account, which gets you a gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F Duo, Vault Health Reports, TOTP Authenticator Storage and Generation, Priority Customer Support, and you get all of that for just $10 per year. This is an amazing company. So if you go to bitwarren.com slash DLN, you can get started for free, or you get all the premium services for just $10 a year. Make the smart move like many from the community have. Go to bitwarren.com slash DLN and get started. And we want to thank Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Hardware Addicts. All right, so now we're going to let Wendy take us into the camera corner. Of course, we can't hear this like you are hearing it now because Wendy's not here with us. She sent this in pre-recorded, but as soon as Wendy's done, you're going to hear from me and Michael and some of the plans we have for the Insta360 ONE RS action camera. This week on Camera Corner, I've got something special for you. Normally, we're talking about the cameras that you use to take pictures of your family, landscapes, and the like. But this week, we're going to talk about a specialty camera that just dropped. This one is the Insta360 ONE RS. It's an action camera, and it's really made for people that are taking video and pictures of themselves as they're biking, climbing, hiking, skiing, water skiing, all of those sports. That's what this camera is for. And I absolutely love the design of it. It's actually modular. So you have the bottom chunk, which is the battery, then another square that's up to the side, that's the processor, that's where you can see your previews from, and then it has three swappable lenses. Now I say lenses, but they're not just lenses. Sure, they have the glass on them, but built into this swappable lens is actually the sensor itself. Incredibly cool. Now this one has three different lenses, as I mentioned, that can come with it. All of these devices have a fixed f-stop, just like the lenses on your phone. That means you can't change necessarily how much light is being let in from that opening on that lens. One of the really cool things about this lens is they say it's got a 16 millimeter equivalent to a 35 millimeter camera. So if you put a 16 millimeter lens on a 35 millimeter camera, you would get the same look, the same field of view as you would from the lens on this camera. That really is a pretty wide lens. Inside that processing, the camera settings, you can do some adjusting in what that field of view looks like. But the next lens is cool in the fact that it is a 5.7K 360 lens. It's not a full 365 degrees, but it's pretty darn close. With an f-stop of 2.0, they get that 360 look with a 7.2 millimeter lens. This is more than just ultra wide. It is ultra wide extreme. 
Now this is a 7.2 equivalent as if you were putting it on a 35 millimeter camera, just like the other one. They don't give you the exact focal length of these lenses. They just give you the equivalent in a 35 millimeter camera. Now this last lens looks the most like that standard camera lens that you would get with your Sony camera or your Nikon camera. This is their 5.3K one inch lens is what they're calling it. It has an f-stop of 3.2. That means of all of these lenses, it lets in the least amount of light and it has a 14.4 millimeter equivalent. These all let you take some really, really cool pictures. What I find most interesting about these lenses and this modular kit, because it's not a lens separate of the sensor, they can make it waterproof up to 16 feet. This really is made for people who want to adventure that want to take this in places where it's going to get wet. It's made to rough and tumble. And part of that rough and tumble, they have a flow state stabilization. Now that is their proprietary name for it, but this is using software and hardware inside the camera to give it gyroscopic stabilization inside these lenses and with that processor. They have Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, you can record stills, videos, and lots of different image sizes. It is crazy in the amount of technology that is packed into this tiny little camera. And I mean, it is itty bitty. You're just gonna have to go look at pictures and check it out. I love where the technology is going on these cameras. You don't have to have a massive sensor to get some amazing pictures. One of the things that I found super cool about this Insta360 One RS is that if you already own an Insta360 One R, so the previous model of this camera, after this one is released, there's going to be a firmware upgrade that will make it compatible with these new lenses, with some of the new stuff that is coming out for this one specifically. So that is a company that is providing support to their customers that knows not everybody is going to upgrade to the new and latest greatest of the Insta360 cameras. And the fact that they are continuing on this modular route. I would love to see more cameras, phones, computers being modular where bits and pieces can be upgraded. And this is one of those lines where that's going to happen. The Insta360 One R is not dead, it's not old, it can still be used with the firmware upgrade coming soon. These additions, these new sensors, these add-ons to this modular system are available to them as well. Thanks so much for looking at this new camera technology with me. I would love to take one out and play with it. We don't necessarily go skiing or have any extreme sports out there, but when we're fishing, fly fishing this summer, it'd be really cool to have it with me and see what kind of images that I can get. Heck, even this winter when we were out ice fishing, that would have been a great place to test it out. I wonder how cold it would work. Hmm, maybe could have stuck it down in the water and seen what was going on under the ice. All right, Michael. So Wendy has given us her rundown of the Insta 361 RS action camera. I convinced you that getting a portable monitor was a necessity. What about picking up one of these action cameras here? Do we need one of these? Earlier, you were talking about, hey, you're, you're going to want this. You're going to want this portable monitor. And my reaction to this is, 
I already want this camera, and now you're going to want this camera. So I'm going to convince you to get this Insta360 ONE RS because it looks awesome. I mean, the, the modularity of it is just really cool. I mean, the, the fact that you can switch the lenses, but you can also, it's still a portable, like on-the-go action stuff. It's like, I don't know if it's a GoPro killer because I haven't compared them. But based on the specs and based on the stuff that they're saying that it can do, I kind of want this way more than a GoPro, especially with all the different effects and the ability to have this, like they, they call it the invisible selfie stick. And I, I'm partly, I'm curious about this because it has a really cool effect of doing like a third person view of what you're doing. That's really interesting. And also how do they get rid of the selfie stick? That's so I don't know. Weird. Maybe the I selfie mean, stick is green or something. Maybe Wendy no, explains it in her segment. I don't know. That'd be cool. I don't know. But it looks, when I saw the videos of them showing it off, like, wow, that's that's very, very cool, and I want to play with it. Now, to convince you, Ryan, mm-hmm. about the Insta360, and yeah. that we need to get, we need to get both of this, need to get one of these, is that okay. we need to do adventures. You know, we get, we're going we're gonna to take, <laughs> take the action full in effect for the All action right. camera. And we should start off with something simple. All right. Skydiving. Skydiving. <laughs> Naturally. Of course, but if maybe not, maybe not that far at the start. What about we could do some like really crazy parkour stunts? Parkour, film, yeah. yes, and film that. So I'm thinking you're onto something here. Now, if I look at my typical week, an action camera just makes sense. Like I sit at my desk, I work for 16 hours a day, and then I go downstairs mm-hmm. and eat dinner, and then I head to the gym. Maybe so the gym exactly. that's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, on my adventure to the gym in my very fast Honda, I could see attaching it to the Honda and people could see all the action of me driving for 10 minutes and, to the gym. And sitting at stoplights, for sure. Sitting at stoplights, getting stuck in traffic because somebody was an idiot and crashed into somebody else. Like all of these things, I'm like, man, I don't need an action camera. But then you said parkour. And now exactly. I'm thinking like, man, like there's some times where I'm walking by myself, going to the store, maybe it's the grocery store to pick up some milk and some bread or something. And I like mm-hmm. do a nice jump over a crack in the road or, exactly. I, or I leap off the curb a little bit, you know, like, of course, are, you know, whew. when you're going to the store and you're trying to get that milk and whatever, before you walk in, I know you do what I do is that as soon as those doors open, you do a cartwheel right into the store. Right into the store every right. time, man. Every time. <laughs> well, that and I do the Darth Vader use the force thing to open the automatic doors. That's the two yes. things I like to do. I love that. Yeah. Now I'll probably do that. I don't. Uh, <laughs> now That's that, why now we need an action it. camera. People would love this channel if we exactly. could just have the, you know, people ask for video all the time for hardware addicts. Imagine if the video wasn't hardware, but me and Michael's parkour. Exactly. And it'd be 360 degree angles of this awesome parkour that we're doing. Like, for example, I'll just describe you one of the things that I have now come up with when we just started having this discussion of parkour. Picture this. You're running down the street. All right. And you see a bench. I'm already out of breath. Okay. I know. Right. Right. Then you jump up on top of it. Then you lift one leg and like grab your foot with it. And then (laughs) that is like a toe grab, jump stand, bench uh, thing. Bench yes. slam. We'll call it the bench Ex- slam. The bench slam. Yeah, bench yeah. slam. I, I love it. It's it's going to be hardcore, like extreme parkour. You, 
It's going to be so epic. You will just, you can't wait to like and subscribe. I love it. Listen, Insta360, if you want people to buy your camera, you need to send us two review units and me and Michael will do some extreme parkour. We will film our lives with these cameras. You're going to see things you couldn't believe could actually happen with this Insta360. But truly, this is a cool little camera. I had a GoPro that I would bring around to certain holiday events and things like that. And it's just, it's very, it was a little small mini cube one. It was very easy to take around to go Christmas tree hunting or whatever we were doing and get some good footage of the kids and stuff. So even though I don't live a life of adventure yet, yet until we get one of these and do the parkour, they're still really fun cameras to have around uh, that you can do. And of course, if you are into an exciting sports and things like that, I mean, Wendy, for instance, she could, you know, film herself getting close to spiders and things and that exactly you, you disgusting need those special effects when you're dealing with up close spiders yeah. and uh whatnot so maybe it's more <laughs> for her but i agree we need to get these and we will show some amazing footage so insta 360 if you're listening go ahead and shoot us two of these cameras and we'll take care of the rest for you yep we we guarantee you that people are just going to be flocking to these viral videos of us doing all these these crazy uh, p- parkour stunts. I mean, you you can't imagine how creative we could be. We'd be walking down the sidewalk, see a stick laying there, and then jump right over it. Just jump, imagine leap. the possibility. Yeah, one leap. leap. Exactly. Yeah. In one leap. Just imagine the possibilities, Insta. Ooh, it. rolling around in our office chairs, like across Ooh. from one side of the room to the other. That in would fact, be adventurous. In fact, we'd actually meet up and do a collaborative effort, and we'll race those office chairs. Or bumper office chairs. You could do that, too. Even even better. Yeah. Good thing it has hardware stabilization and stuff, so we could really take that to the max. Well, that's exactly. it. Our 58th episode of Hardware Addicts is a wrap. Thank you for listening to the show that brings you your bi-weekly tech fix. And if you're not all lit up on tech yet, then be sure to check out all the great content on the Destination Linux Network. Head to destinationlinux.network to check out all the great podcasts and YouTube partners available. There's so much there to fill your brain with, and soon, maybe even parkour. Remember, there's no such thing as too much hardware. Learn, build, innovate, and grow. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you next time for another awesome episode of Hardware Addicts, where all the extreme stunts that you come to expect from this podcast will be live and in effect, thanks to the Insta360 One RS action camera. Yeah. See you next week. Yeah. Extreme. No, no dad jokes. Not one. I did a dad joke. I did a Which dad, one? I did a dad joke. Which dad joke? It was. It was uh, go big or go home. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we need to re-record the whole episode to get a better dad joke in. Let's start from the beginning. Okay. Well, welcome to Hardware Addicts, a proud member of the Destination Linux Network. In this episode, we're going to be talking about portable monitors. Nothing yet. They're making a big comeback. And I think we might all need one. Michael? <laughs> There's not much to go off on that one. <laughs> but, I mean, you're not giving me a lot of work with here. Portable, portable. You could have done something That's, like that. That is not remotely a dad joke. <laughs> oh, okay. You know? You're, you're going to monitor the, what how we do this this episode and how, how quality crisp the nits of this episode are going to be. Guaranteed at least 45 nits. Wow. Wow. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everyone. You, because you're a Triton Fethead. <laughs> Get it? Get it? I got him. There you go. Finally. <laughs>